everyone. It's your host, Dubs Weinblatt. And last week, we had so much fun with our throwback episode that we decided to do it again. And this week's throwback is with longtime TIFCO pal, Carmen LeBou. And we're pumped because this episode was incredible. And also, Carmen has a new project that we want to support. It's called Pink and Blue, and it's a short film that aims to inspire empathy and to change how our culture views gender nonconforming communities. If you want to check out what this film is all about, and if you want to support it, head on over to Thank you for coming out Instagram at thank you for coming out and check out the link in, link in our bio or go to www.pinkandbluefilm.com. Carmen, we are so excited for this project and we are excited for all of you to hear this episode. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm so excited to be here today. We're recording during Pride Month, um, so I don't know about you, but I'm feeling extra gay. Um, so Friday, uh, five Prides ago, I founded the Queer Improv Show, Thank You for Coming Out, um, or TIFCO, as we sometimes call it. Um, and it's now one of the longest-running queer improv shows in New York City. Um, during the show, our storytellers share their coming-out stories, and then our improvisers bring those stories to life. Uh, so the podcast is a little bit different. We still have storytellers come and join us, um, and then it's more of a conversation that follows. Um, so we do have a very special guest here today, uh, Carmen Labou, uh, they, them, or Carmen. Um, and uh, I'm so excited that you're here, Carmen. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. Um, so we all have uh, multiple coming out stories, and so I would love to hear one of yours. Okay. Uh, I will I will give you the medium version. Great. Because I have, like, the short version, you know, like, the long version, but I'll stick with the medium version. Um, Perfect. So I was in college... And I had gone to school with a I had I'd gone away to school in New York and I had been dating this guy that I met um, at like a religious retreat called Kairos uh, in high school. And we decided to stay together through college. Um, and he honestly was like one of the absolute like best people that I that I could have dated at that time and also who helped helped my coming out or I, I don't we were in a Chipotle in Ohio yeah. and there was a woman who came in a very curvaceous woman and we both looked at the same time <laughs> and he was like you just checked her out and I was like everybody does that and he was like, no, not everybody does that. And I was like, well, I do. Like, I don't know. <laughs> so that was before college. Um, so that was the first inclination, I guess, or like the first like kind of kind of sort of awareness. And then when I went to school, I just met people who like, you know, we would like hang out, like sleep in each other's dorm like every single night, but it wasn't any, it, you know, quote unquote, wasn't anything kind of thing. Um, and then I remember calling him and being like, hey, I think I have feelings for this person. 
and he was like, okay, that's, that's great. Like, that's fine. You know, and eventually it wasn't, actually that had nothing to do with our breaking up, but eventually we broke up. And after that, I was just kind of like open, but it didn't really, I don't feel like I really actually like formally came out until one summer around 4th of July, my papa had come to visit in New York city and all of my friends in college had kind of had this like coming out moment. And I just didn't have that moment. And I just felt like, okay, I don't feel I don't feel gay like in a way that I only or I don't feel like I'm a lesbian. I don't necessarily only want to date women. I'm just completely open. Um, so because all my friends had come out, I was like, dang, I should tell my papa. So he had come to stay with me and I went um, around the corner to this diner where he was having he was like reading and having a snack or something. And I just, I sat down and I was like, Papa, I have to tell you something. And he was like, okay, tell me. And me and my Papa had like zero secrets. Like I told him everything. He's my best friend. Like there was no, we were just, we just didn't have any secrets. So it was weird that I actually had to tell him something. So I just couldn't stop laughing. (laughs) I just, I don't know what, it was just so uncomfortable that I even had to say anything. And, And I say that because my papa was one of the most open people that I've ever known just in my lifetime. So it felt weird to even have to have something specific about myself that he didn't know. And then I don't even think I had a I don't think I haven't had enough awareness at that time to think it's a possibility that he might already know. Mm. Um, so anyway, so I get there and I just couldn't stop laughing for like 45 minutes. And he was just <laughs> like, why he's like just tell me just spit it out and I was like well I just I okay uh and I just didn't know how to say it so then I was like uh I like women and he was like okay um he was like is this a phase I know everybody hates to hear that but I was like no and I was like I like just everyone (laughs) and he and he responded this is so cringeworthy but it's true he was like well, I've heard that women know how to please women better than men do. Oh. And I was like <laughs> mortified. More that was I was so like I can't believe he said that. So then after that day and it being like so I felt even silly for for all of that and he was just so cool about it that afterward me and all my friends we went like through the West Village and here I am with this like 70-year-old man going like to Cubbyhole partying and it was just it was really fun. Um, yeah, so that was my coming out. And then after that, I came out to my sister because I thought she was gay. But she just, um, metaphorically speaking, left me on red. Uh, and then <laughs> later on, I found out that she was bi and she just, like, never met me mm. <laughs> with that. Um, she never she never really affirmed, affirmed that mm-hmm. in that conversation. So that was kind of awkward. But other than that, yeah, I was pretty open. Great. Thanks for sharing. um, When I came out to my friend, one of my friends, she was in a relationship with a woman secretly. So when I came out to her, she also didn't tell me, like, in that moment. And I was like, I wish you would have told me. I mean, like, you know, we all, like, do it in our own time, and that's totally valid. But, you know, we joke about it now. It's like, if only I had known, it would have, for me, it would have made things a lot easier. But also, I have to respect her. Yeah. But, um I've never heard left me on red. What is that? It's like, you know, when somebody, 
when you like text someone and you get like it just says like red. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh unread. Unread. Is that what you said? Unread or red? Un- it says red, but then <clears throat> yeah. but then they don't respond. Oh, left me on red. Okay. Yeah. Oh. So I say that because, mm-hmm. like, I, she didn't have, she wasn't dating anyone for a long time. So I was just like, what? Okay. All right. Let me just, let me just tell her so that way she doesn't feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And then, you know, like, have to have this moment when I'm just already out here. So she, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she didn't, she didn't really, she didn't really respond. She, um, you know. I, I thought you were saying on red, like, the color. Oh, so I was like trying to think like equating like a stoplight, but that is I like un unread like yeah. unread yeah okay is it un or on on okay on red okay yeah I'm gonna start using it <laughs> I'm gonna have to like I'm gonna like clunkily use it until I can like <laughs> have better more practice with it. Um, my mom asked me a similar or like made a similar comment when I came out to her and was I mean it sim- was really just like have you ever been with another woman? And I was like, I'm not telling you that. (laughs) Like, I can barely tell you this. Like, it's just like, I love it. But it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, they just want, at least like, my mom is like, okay, let's like dig into it then. Like, tell me about it. And instead of being, you know, that's like, it's a way of support, even though it's like, oh my God, I don't want to talk to you about that. (laughs) Yeah. I just, you know, that it wasn't, it wasn't something that I want, that wasn't the response that I I didn't have any idea of how you would respond, but mm-hmm. it was the response that I like gutturally didn't need. You know I mean? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you know? yeah. Of course, when I told my friends, they were like, "That's <laughs> awesome!" and everybody was so excited. You know, all my college friends were like, "Oh, we're going to we're going to Cubby like with your papa." I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know. So, what did your papa think of Cubby? Um, well, you know how Cubby has like all the like wonderful things on the ceiling and everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he really had a good time. Like we mm-hmm. had a jukebox. It was small. He, he liked dive bars just as much as I do. And it was just like the perfect place, you know, to kind of, to kind of hang. That's really cool. I, um, like I'm, I'm out, I'm out to everyone in my family now, but I'm thinking back to like when I was first coming out, I, and I, I told my mom and then I had her tell my dad and then I was thinking, I only had, at that point, I think I only had two living grandparents, and I didn't, I didn't tell either of them, because I just was like, I don't know how they would take it, and I um, didn't really want to deal with any kind of negative backlash, and I should have let them, I should have given them more credit, um, but I, and so that I kind of regret, but, but I, I was talking to my, I, this is a two-part quick story, uh, and then it's more about you, but um uh, my mom, well, first my mom said that her dad, my pop, my papa, um, like would have been totally fine with it and kind of assumed cause like I was the president of my Jewish queers and allies group at Hillel and like there were articles about it oh, and I just wow. never like thought about him seeing those articles. Mm-hmm. My mom's like, well, you know, you're not hidden about it. Like you're, it's out there. And I was like, oh, so then it made me feel even worse. Like her bringing that to my attention of like me, yeah. like withholding that from him. Um, and then this isn't really about me being gay, but just, I had a lip ring at one point and my, but he, he, it was, at, it was, at, I think it was at his birthday party and actually my girlfriend was there, but I, I didn't introduce her as that, but he kissed me on the lips and he was like, and, but like, not like intimately, but, but did like a longer hold than I would have wanted. Mm. And I was like, I like pulled back immediately and I was like, pop, like, cause we've never interacted in that way before. And I was like, what? 
was that? And he was like, you have a lip ring. I wanted to know what it felt like. And I was like, I don't like that. (laughs) I don't know what made me think of that, but I think just like thinking about my grandpa and like being in, I don't know. Um, And that also is making me think of um, when we would, sorry, I'm like digressing a little bit, but it was making me think of when we, when I was younger, we used to go shopping a lot and I like hate shopping. Um, so we'd either go to Toys R Us or we would go to like Old Navy and I always shopped in the men's section and for whatever reason I felt okay doing that with him and I think it had to do with the fact that he never said anything about it. He never mm. like shamed me. He never was like, you're in the wrong section. He just let me, he just let me be. And that in and of itself builds like a safe space to like be yourself when no one like comes back at you. And so I think I'm thinking about it because now I'm kind of like piecing this all together of like he created this like really important safe space for me that I didn't realize that I needed or that he had done really. And then now like looking back, like the hindsight of him doing that and like um, just being like generally open about um, things and, you know, wanting to know what a lip ring felt. I don't know. I don't know. Just like it's weird. But I just I think I feel like regret of not sharing with him. Um, something that was so important to me. I don't know. I'm just, now I'm just rambling, but. Well, sometimes it's, it's like hard because with grandparents, you're like, uh, you're of a different time and how do you interpret this and like what, what words do you use or or do you attach with like Mm -hmm. my queerness or, you know, however, however you identify. Um, because I know my grandma, she was like, she would say a lot of homophobic things. Mm Um, and I think like, I realized later, I'm like, well, this is why I never brought my first girlfriend home to meet her because I all growing up, I always heard her say homophobic things. Um, and if I had dated a man, she would be so excited. But if she heard about my girlfriend or whatever, she like wouldn't ask or like bring it up or anything. And now I think about it and I'm just like, dang, like I kind of wish that I would have been, more open even if it would have been painful Mm -hmm. but just because it feels like so unfinished yeah you know Mm -hmm. like it just feels like I don't know what afterlife is like but it felt like I don't know just like a huge part of my life that was like missing from like the fabric of our relationship story you know what I mean Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I think that that part that reminds me too of things that people say that they don't even realize what they're saying Mm -hmm. and like what but what an impact it has um because i do i think part of it also like my grandpa would say like homophobic things or Mm -hmm. and and not even maybe even realize what he's saying um i think i heard that a lot too just like around the community of like people saying things that were hurtful like i and also transphobic things that i don't Mm -hmm. think that people like realize are transphobic but me as like someone who's like who was like grappling and still still is like with different pieces of identity words matter and like when you are putting those things out into the world like it it's like I I always equated to like kind of like taking a note and filing it away in my filing cabinet filing cabinet in my brain of like okay that's a thing that I need to like be mindful of or like think about or this person thinks this way about something do you and it kind of like um kind of like informs relationships and the way that you interact with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. Um, 
especially like when you're young and you're, I mean, in a place like New York, I feel like I want to say I com- feel completely safe all the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as a person of color and as a queer person, it's like you're all, and I'm sure you know, like as, as all of us know, like you have to be aware of your surroundings. Yeah. So a lot of the time I'm thinking like, oh, okay, I'm walking around with my girlfriend. What is this going to be like? It's already, you know, she has certain experiences going down the street. You know what I mean? Like, what is it going to be like with us together? And like, just, just having that sense of awareness and knowing that like, even though I feel safe and in, in my identity and I feel like comfortable here, it's, I feel like constantly coming out. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Oh yeah. And knowing mm-hmm. whether like, like negotiating with whatever space I'm in and that even applies to being on the train or wherever in New York, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, just last night, I, you know, the L trains, I don't know if you know this, but like they are running on like annoying delays on the weekends. <laughs> yes. And, um, of course you live off the L, so you, you know, <laughs> um, doy. Uh, and, but so it was like, I was waiting at Lorimer and I was like, I could either walk home. It was like 11 at night or wait 15 minutes for three stops. And I, mm-hmm. I went through that negotiation in my head of like, it's not a, it's, it's like a, a relatively, I think like safe neighborhood to walk through. But then I was like, but as a queer person, I was like going through, it's like, I don't want to risk it. I'd rather wait 15 minutes for a three second train ride than risk walking alone at 11 o'clock at night as a queer person through the streets. And so it's just like, it is a constant negotiation of that. Yeah. It's a, it's something that I think about all the time. Um, and how, and also too of, yeah, because it is, it is a constant coming out and a constant, um, conversation with yourself of like is can I should I share my pronouns I know did you see that lift now you can you can put your pronouns in your lift app which on the first on the first passing of like seeing that I was like that is awesome and then I was like I am not doing that because I don't know Mm. I don't know if that's safe for me to put those pronouns and it's already I've already had people pull up and look at me and pull away so it's like then adding that added layer of you know, something that people aren't super familiar with or can be uncomfortable with. I'm like, I don't love you lift for doing it, but I don't think that this is a, this is not a time I want to come out Mm -hmm. because, because the driver is such an unknown, I think is like a big piece of that. Come on, y'all do better. I know. Do better. Like, (laughs) I think I should write a letter to lift. What would it say? I think it would say, like, I mean, we are in a time right now. I, I mean, I don't I don't mean to, like, bring, bring it down, but I'm just, like, really upset mm-hmm. right now about the world. And, like, yeah. I'm tired of, like, pushing down my feelings because, you know, it might be feel easier for some people. But I'm like, there are just so many atrocities happening in the world. Like, how many black trans women do you have to see? in order for people to, like, want to take action or for people to realize that it's difficult, not just for POCs, not just for immigrants, not, like, regardless of however you identify. It's, like, we live in a world where it's not always safe to Mm. be who you are. And it's, like, there there are numbers, there are statistics, like, lift, do better. (laughs) Literally do better. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, that's my... That's my... um, what do you call the box that you stand on? That's my soapbox. Soap box. <laughs> yeah. 
I'll, I'll happily co-sign that letter with you. Okay, cool. Because uh, it's, I think it's one of those, like, they have great intentions, but the impact behind doing that could mm-hmm. be really dangerous. Uh, it could be. I mean, and also leaving space for this could be a really great opportunity for visibility and for learning, And but that's a really optimistic um, take that I don't know that we're necessarily ready for or that is necessarily reality or truth. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, the same thing with all of the pride things that are happening. Like on the one hand, like I love seeing all these rainbows and I love, I love it. It makes me so happy. And then I'm like, but what are you doing in August for the queer community? <laughs> yes. Right. What are you doing on July 1st? Um, you know, you are getting all this publicity and, um, you know, photo opportunities and social media hits and whatever, however you call it. Um, but like, what are you actually doing to further the, the LGBTQ community? And I like get really tangled up in those complicated feelings of the, uh, the intention, the intention versus the impact of that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So like basically, um, if any of y'all know Taylor Swift, tell her to throw some coins at <laughs> <laughs> some major organizations. Cause I know she has some, um, and that you know, like her showing up at Stonewall, I thought was kind of disrespectful and, Mm. and, um, I thought it was exploitative. So now that I've said that, I got a letter to write to Lyft and Taylor's (laughs) way. I'm going to keep a running tally. (laughs) It could just be a form letter. Do better (laughs) y'all. Love permanent. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I, um, it's just so, I have, I have mixed feelings about that too. Like it's on the one hand, it's like, we need out, al- we need allies for, I just had a conversation with a rabbi the other day who does a lot of trans activism, who's a cis man, but I'm like, but people listen to you more than they listen to trans community. So it's like on that note, like we need you and our voices are integral and crucial in this conversation as well. Mm-hmm. And it's like, where do you find the balance of, well, I think of like being exploited versus, yeah. you know, um, showing your support. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. It's something that I think about all the time. I've been thinking about it like in the last just couple days. Um, because I had an interaction with someone who self-identified as an ally, Mm. but then said the most triggering and, like, just problematic things. And I was just like, wow, like, you should not actually identify as an ally. Like, you don't get to give yourself Mm -hmm. that title, especially if you know so much more than, you know, you claim to know so much more than the people who are actually affected by those problems and, and, like, have that lived experience. So if it was, if I think if you're trying to be helpful to someone else, like let them speak, listen, mm-hmm. and then figure out a way to like connect with resources or, you know, find a way to get other people, like get your people, you know what I mean? Like, um, to join in that fight. But the voice is really like you, you have to uplift those who are actually experiencing whatever issue. Mm-hmm. You can't speak for them. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, 
Do we know if Taylor paid all the guests in her video? Do we know? I know that like at the end of it, it's like write a letter to your congressperson or whatever it was. But it's like, did she make donation? I mean, I guess maybe I could look it up to see like if she's made like donations to certain queer organizations. Do we producer? Do you know if she has? Oh, great, she has. So that's good. Um, which ones? It's Taylor. I wrote shift. Taylor Swift donations. Um, the first article, a timeline of Taylor Swift's generosity. <laughs> um, uh, her new single has driven donations to Glad. Do you know? Do you know off the top of your head who, who she donated to, Bobby? Okay. Um, Bobby's our producer and is incredible. Um, oh, she donated one hundred thirteen thousand to Tennessee LGBTQ Advocacy Group. Um, called. I don't want to spend too much more time on Taylor Swift. Um, Tennessee Equality Project. So, yeah, but no, I, I I hear that of like giving space. But then also Sarah Bareilles was there. She's an ally. Mm-hmm. So was that also exploit exploitative? Is that how you? I don't know. Say that word? I think it was more about like the lyrics. I think it was more about the the lyrics and mm. like and wearing the rainbow and like mm. all of those things. That's kind of like okay, yeah, you're doing this on Pride Month, mm-hmm. you know, World Pride Month. Yeah, do you know what I mean? All of these people kind of like rush to Stonewall. Oh my God! Like I, you know, she's going to be performing or whatever because I heard about it just from meeting people um, uh, at a couple events this week, and I was just like, dang, like that's so crazy because we could be doing this all the time. Mm-hmm. But I think there's something about like wearing a flag and not like saying her name. Do you know what I mean? That's like really strange to me. I don't and 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 you know what I mean. Like it could be a tweet or it could be like anything. So when you have that much influence, it's it's hard for me to think that there isn't another way or somebody that is on your team that can say, "Hey, like how can we do more?" Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like, actually changing the culture when you have influence is kind of free. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> you know? yeah, I mean, that's... Like, the, you I don't have like, to put any money into that. You yeah. can literally just say it. Because you have social cap, You have, like, social capital. So it's like you have a different kind of power. Yeah. Um, for sure. Uh, so, um, so, you know, when we did Craft Your Truth in December, and that evening was the um, concert, the town hall concert, uh, the talent show that the oh, Ally Coalition put on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Taylor Swift made an appearance. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And she did, uh, she came out with, um, uh, it was Haley Kyoko. Is that how you say yes. Haley's name? Um, and I believe it was during that set and Taylor came out and sang one song and like it brought the whole, like everyone to their feet. Um, and it was. I don't know. It was cool because it because then I mean I don't know. Maybe I've like jaded and and I, I actually have no idea if I like love or hate Taylor Swift. I'm like going back and <laughs> forth in this conversation. Like I don't know, but um, I thought it was cool that she came and lent her support to this cause that like helps LGBT. It, basically, the whole point of the Ally Coalition is encouraging performers and artists who have a platform to use it to further mm-hmm. LGBTQ rights and issues and communities. Um, and so I guess in that particular instance, it made sense for her yeah, to come. Yeah, totally. That sounds um, amazing. Yeah. And so, and then, you know, then it created all of this, um, buzz around the show and the cause. And, um, so it's like, it's like this really complicated, 
Um, but I also hear you like, I don't know. It's like, why can't you wear a rainbow? I don't know. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to argue with you. I'm trying to like work, like work and through this and negotiate. Like, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's complicated. I think. Yeah. For me, I guess. I, I live for, I live for Lena Waithe, mm-hmm. um, in a rainbow. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. at, at an event where, you know, you can be seen and you are also part of the community and yeah. you're also challenging all communities um, to support each other and to mm-hmm. support um, marginalized folk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I still keep, I still on the daily think about um, Billy Porter in his yes. dress, and then um, Glenn Co- Glenn Close's reaction. Do you know that? Have you seen that? It's just <laughs> yes. like Bobby. Do you know what I'm talking about? It just if all of you listening, um, the millions of you listening. Google it now, Billy Porter and Glenn Close, um, and it just is like my favorite thing in the world. Just watching her, the like the gamut of emotion that goes through her face is incredible. I just, I don't know, the red carpet like with Lena's thing made me think of that. Yeah, um, for sure. So we kind of were were talking about consent a little bit, like with ourselves of like, and when is it safe to consent to come out to, or just like be present, an authentic in certain scenarios. Um, so I, I want to use that as like a segue to talk about, um, your work with Time's Up, um, and the docuseries that you created, Harassment. Um, I just want, I want to hear, tell me everything, you know, <laughs> like, um, you had meant, uh, tell me about that. Yeah. Tell me about your activist work and, um, and I'll, I want to know it all. Um, I'll give you the short version. Great. I started, um, Harassment, uh, a H it's H E R A S S M E N T and I created that because I was working with an all women identifying team so behind the camera um, and then we interview all people um, marginalized folk or other otherized folk um, on their experiences with harassment and then we ask like okay what do we need to do you know as your peers to empower others or to have just like a more kind world. Um, so that's been really cool. Uh, so we've been filming that for a while. And then, um, I started, like, I started doing events and things to get people together to talk about how to support each other intersectionally, because I don't feel like that's something that's, that is at the forefront of people's minds right now. We live in a, in a space where people are really, um, divided Mm-hmm. And so many different ways that sometimes it's like, do I use labels to like help this conversation or are they hurting us? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, so I think that's the time in the world that we live in. Uh, so I try to create spaces where people like come together and, and they learn about um, how we can best support each other as we're trying to topple the patriarchy period. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've done events with Time's Up and also outside, I worked with the Heal Me Too Festival. They're really great. Um, and recently, because I'm really passionate about changing, um, I, I want to enact change with like purpose and try and do it so that we're changing the laws so that we actually are protected because as you know like women aren't even really included in the constitution so that means and like it's not like it says human it just says man 
mm-hmm. or men. It, it like that's not helpful to anyone um, except men. Right. <laughs> so we have to topple the patriarchy. Right. We have to topple the patriarchy because it's just not, it's like, it's just not working. Um, so last week I went to um, the Capitol to talk to Cuomo and a bunch of other government officials like like Biagi um, uh, and a couple other senators and asked that they... Um, eliminate the statute of limitations. So we passed the New York safety agenda. And the New York safety agenda is so important because it protects all of us at work. Um, If you are working someplace and you're harassed, they generally, like, they'll have you sign, like, an NDA at your workplace. Like, you can't talk about what happens at work. So if anything bad happens, you are not permitted to speak on it publicly. Mm. But they never say that you can't go to um, the police and say, hey, this thing happened to me at work. It's not right. Or do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So this New York safety agenda will allow us more protection at work no matter who you are. Um, And it's really important to me because I've worked in restaurants, I've worked in service, and I'm always working with people who are immigrants, people of color, queer people. Like, it just, we all need to be protected and feel like at least... We, at least according to law, someone has to take care of us mm-hmm. and someone has to take responsibility. So even though it's not completely perfect and, you know, I want to like work on the ERA and stuff like that, like I, I felt like this was one step in trying to get people who are um, part of these marginalized groups like Protection Network and really everyone. But yeah, that's incredible. Um. So what did, how did it go? Like, um, like Oh, it went really they, well. Like, right. yeah, we got it. Like, right. You know, no, uh, right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I'm like, you got it, but I'm, I guess more, I meant like, were, how were people, how did everyone receive it? Were they all just like on board? Was it, were there, was there like convincing to be had or? I think there was definitely convincing to be had, um, because Simotas was, I mean, there there are these there are these people who have been working uh, senators and government officials who have been working on getting this passed for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and everybody knows you go into a government building, you go into the Capitol, you go into these buildings, and it's mostly men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's like. I, I felt like in my experience, I'm talking to people who aren't thinking about, you know, everyone. They're thinking, oh, okay, like, we're talking about eliminating this statute of limitations, so who is that going to affect? That's only going to affect women. That's not true. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just yeah. needed to be there to, like, pa- say, hey, pause. This doesn't just affect women. It affects everyone who's at work and needs protection. I am just one of those people. <clears throat> And it's not okay that people are unprotected and lied to at work and, and told that they don't have rights, you know, to respect, to to working in a dignified place. Mm-hmm. So um, it felt really good to be like, nah, it's not just me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's everyone and you need to look at this. And I felt like as I was explaining that to some of the government officials, they, they weren't seeing it as just like, uh, thing for women, they were seeing it for seeing it as a thing for everyone, mm-hmm. and I felt like that was really important. Yeah, that's really awesome. Um, I want to take a quick step back, and for 
for people who don't know what Time's Up is, can you explain what that is? Um, Time's Up is an organization um, that works to help people um, get rights to a fair and dignified workplace. Mm -hmm. Okay. So So, everything what you just said. Yeah. Great. So (laughs) everyone at home, now you know. Um, Yeah, that's really important. Thanks for... Thanks for doing that work. Oh, what? I mean, I don't know. That maybe feels weird, but it just, it's like, I don't know. It's important that people are doing it and you're using your voice and you're, and that's really important. So thank you for that. Yes. If anybody has any ideas on how I can use my voice going forward, please let me know. Cause I would love to help in any way that I can. Cause there's so much we have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want um, to, kind of shift gears a little bit and kind of move backwards and um, talk about a ring of keys moment if you if you've had one um, do you, uh, uh, so ring of keys moment really it's so it's comes it comes from um, the their graphic novel uh, fun home are you do you know are you familiar with fun home okay so <laughs> I, I'm laughing at myself because my partner had to like, I was, I was reading this email and I was like, what is ring of keys? Mm. And then I, you know, of course, like berated myself with like, you should know this. So yeah. she, <laughs> I'm sorry, keep going. <laughs> so I was kind of mad at myself, you know, but she just showed me a bunch of musical theater <laughs> videos. Mm-hmm. So now I know what a, what a ring of keys moment is. Great. Yeah. So have you had one? It's okay if you don't. Um, yeah. So I was in conservatory and got invited to, it, it would be like being a freshman and getting invited to like a senior party. Ooh. You know? so, <laughs> so I went to this party and at this point I hadn't like known if I should identify as a lesbian I didn't know if I should identify as gay I didn't know like what I was just like I don't even know what I should call myself I'm a human that likes other humans and that was pretty much like as far as it had been at that particular time Mm -hmm. um and I was at this like senior party (laughs) I was like this is the first adult party I've ever been to it's a big deal yeah it's it's Mm -hmm. such a it's huge so I I was there and I was with a partner and I saw one of my classmates who is a gorgeous human with her partner and we started talking about how you identify. Mm-hmm. And I was like super awkward but it like didn't whatever I said like just was just awkward because I was also like oh my gosh these two like black women like just it totally in love and like it just that it was it was kind of like be my auntie even though you're like (laughs) even though you're like three years older than me you know but I I just couldn't I I just couldn't believe it I was like this is so cool um, and me and my partner at the time started talking to them and the way that this, um, not classmate, but like one of the people at my school had explained it was kind of exactly how I felt, you know, like regardless of like race, gender, ethnicity or whatever cultural stuff, like I'm just attracted to all humans. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think I also identified with her because, as a mixed woman, 
seeing a mixed woman be like, all of these social constructs don't work. I want to throw them in the garbage. I was like, ooh, yeah, I like that queer. Got it. Mm -hmm. And then that was kind of, that was kind of a moment for me that kind of just affirmed. It felt like the one of the most um, affirming times. I love that. <laughs> Are you still in touch? Um, I guess like on the social medias. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Be my auntie. <laughs> I don't think I don't. Th I've never told her this. Like I don't think she knows how I really feel. But <laughs> well, if if you're listening, uh, that's such that's such a nice thing to hear. If you're that person, yeah. Um, but that that happens. That moment happens to me a lot. Mm -hmm. I feel like every time I like enter a new stage of adulthood, I'm like, "Who are you? How mm -hmm. are you doing this?" Like, you know. Yeah, it's like I. It's so interesting. I feel like I don't know. It's we're always evolving. We're mm -hmm. it's like even if we are, we know kind of like where like a human who loves humans. Great. And then how does that kind of how does that look in each stage of life or like, yes. or like how does just being who we are at each stage of life? Like, what does that mean? And, um, I love that freedom. It's like, it's like almost like you're anchored, but also you're free and it's a really cool way to, to move through life. I think it is, but that's why it's like in a utopian world where everyone can be who they are, like, it's like when you go to Pride and you see, like, when you go to the parade and you see, like, everybody with their whole family out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're just like, <laughs> whoa. Yeah. You know, it just, it feels so good. Like, um, yeah, it's just so beautiful. Uh, I wish that I could experience that more. But oftentimes, like, as I enter those new phases of life, I'm like, Okay, so like how did you find your person and like how are you building a life or you know what I mean? Like all mm -hmm. of those things are something that you can't really find in like at least I don't find it in any any literature, but if you have any ideas, I will <laughs> gladly look them up. I don't I don't. I mean, it's just it's yeah, it's again it, it keeps coming back to like the visibility piece of like other people are doing it so I can do it too. Mm -hmm. Um it's just such an important um like, I don't know what the right word is, but just very important mm -hmm. to like be able to have that. Um, so you use the word utopian. So I'm going to switch gears and talk about dystopian and you have a queer dystopian short film. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Orion, mm -hmm. uh, tell, tell us about that. Um, so <laughs> I often, now I feel like it's going to get really sad because it's like, it's not like a uplifting film. Um, I think a lot about what it's like to, what it will be like if things continue as they, as they are now. Um, and what my mental health will be like. And then that paired with the opioid epidemic in this country makes mm -hmm. me think like, wow, if we continue on the way we are. And, you know, if they keep killing us, I'm speaking as a brown, black person, um, if they keep killing us, then, then like, what would this future look like in a post-apocalyptic world? Mm -hmm. So that was kind of, like, the inspiration for me in making Orion that is centered on these, um, on this, like, lesbian couple um, in this post-apocalyptic time. Um, and just begging the question, like, what is it, you know, what is the intersection between, like, um, 
you know, black queerness and also um, all of the addiction and mental health. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's a little taste of like what the inspiration um, for me in creating that was. It it and I don't and I don't know I haven't seen it so I correct me if I'm wrong but it feels a little reminiscenty of Handmaid's Handmaid's Tale of just like uh, or I'm not do you, have you seen it or do yeah, you yeah yeah do you what are your I've only seen the first season because I'm actually scared to watch the next seasons for I'm not sure why I just haven't been able to am I off base I think it's very yeah I do mm-hmm. think it's like very different um, okay it's just a short film and it's um very different from anything that I've seen so far, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of something that I, that I wanted to create. Yeah. Um, you know what, if, if things continue as they are right now, um, and we live in a space that is more violent, mm-hmm. um, if the news keeps getting worse, then what is that going to do to my mental health and will I survive that? Mm-hmm. You know, that was really yeah. my question for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and having lost friends to addiction, I'm from Ohio and like there's a, I mean, there's a problem in everywhere in this country with the um, opioid crisis. And I just, I think about like why people, it's like, why, why do people become addicted to something or, mm-hmm. um, or, or, in this case, if it's in this post-apocalyptic world, then why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Or why wouldn't you be devastated or sad or struggle with depression, you know, if you're in a world where the news is so horrible, you know, and you keep seeing pe- members of your community killed. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really what the, what the um, film is about. Yeah. I'm also from Ohio, everybody, so. <laughs> O-H-I-O. Yes. Um... <laughs> So, you have you are nominated as best director for something called Cheer Up Charlie, which I think think is a great. Uh, you were like it's going to bring the mood down, but Cheer Up Charlie is in the title, <laughs> Cheer- right? Cheer Up Charlie. <laughs> um, so, first of all, congratulations <laughs> on you. your nomination. Um, what's Cheer Up Charlie about? So, Cheer Up Charlie is a dark comedy, and it centers on a young woman who sells weed Mm -hmm. so that she can cover her mother's medical bills. Um, Her mother has cancer and she is working to um, help with those bills. Mm -hmm. Cool. And where can we see all of these um, works that you're um, working on? Uh, So I'm going to be doing this uh, film festival circuit with Cheer of Charlie. So Mm -hmm. that's something that's like pretty easy for everyone to like you know follow on the gram or wherever to find out where that's going to be showing because mm-hmm. we have like two episodes showing tomorrow night at the bitter end and then um i'll be in toronto in july and then we'll also be uh, screening in the uk as well at the end of july so we'll be around awesome that's that's really good six episodes <laughs> yeah um amazing i can't wait to see them um so we we talked we've been talking about like we talked about lena we talked about Taylor a little bit, and I'm curious if you have, like, it, it, or maybe it's Lena, but, like, a, like a favorite queer representation in the media. 
And you can have more than one. Okay. Um, dang. I feel like I get, I, I get like queer baited a lot, hmm. you know, with shows. Cause you'll be like, oh, they're adding this storyline or like, oh, so I'll watch this show. That's like, not like great. Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, but I get this, I get this little, um, Huh. Okay. I would say right now the most interesting character that I've been watching is on the show called The Bull Type. Hmm. And her name is the character's name is Kat, but I think the the um actress, I don't know if it's Aisha or Isha D. Mm-hmm. Um but anyway, her character is um a black woman who is becoming more and more radical. And so that appeals to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also she's like, you you continue to see her like coming out mm-hmm. of being like, oh, I'm attracted to this woman. Okay, I'll see what, you know, I'll just like see. Um, so I'm like following her coming out as something that I think relates to queerness in a way of the way that she's responding to how she's coming out and how she's feeling is she's like taking action as it's happening. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like whatever those like life stages are, it's like, you know, the life stage of, Oh my gosh, I just like kissed this person for the first time mm-hmm. or, Oh my gosh, now I met someone who I really like, but they maybe don't like me back. Like, that whole like just you get all the tea from this character mm. and i just i really appreciate that that's cool what's the show called the bull type where where is that is that ne- oh no is that like free no um is it free form i, I, I can google I really it later that's it's free form Okay, yay. Right. <laughs> yeah, I do miss the Fosters, though. I miss the Fosters <laughs> so much. And there's um, there's a, a like a spinoff. Did you know? Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know. I, I My friend watched an episode and said it was like, it's the Fosters with just like some characters that are new and some that are the same. And I'm like, well, that's great. That's But the Fosters was just... I, I love a good... I love a good family drama. Yeah. And it's just... It was so... I don't know. I also really loved it. And I loved the the diversity and like seeing trans characters and top surgery scars and um I've never seen that on I don't think I've I've ever seen somebody with top surgery scars on a show before. I'm trying to think if that's true now that I just said it. Yeah, because we didn't even get that from the L word, right? Did we? No, we didn't. Wow. Yeah. Um that really might be. Wow. Because I was thinking about it. I was like, I definitely have watched a lot of, like, YouTube stuff, but mm-hmm. not anything that's, like, that's huge. Man, yeah. the Fosters are so great. I miss <laughs> them so much. Um, I, I will say that I miss the original Jesus, and it very much threw me off when the character switched. Um, I agree. Yeah, because I was just like, I don't know. And we all got used to it, and that's great. Um, I'm looking up now because I'm trying to remember um, the actor who plays, like, um, Callie's boyfriend who has has had top surgery. Um, was in something else, and I can't remember what, and I also can't remember. Do you remember what his name is? No, I show? don't. 
if you're listening, I'm sorry I don't remember your name, and you're amazing, um, whoever you are. <laughs> um, okay, so the last thing we have is a rapid fire. Um, I'm just going to ask you questions and just answer as quickly as possible to the best of your ability. Okay. Um, writing or reading? Writing or reading? Reading. Acting or singing? <laughs> I can't sing. Singing. Okay. Dogs or cats? Ooh, dogs. Beach or mountains? Mountains. Biking or running? Running. Bagels or donuts? Donuts. Oh. Train or plane? Plane. Pants or shorts? Uh, pants. <laughs> Coke or Pepsi? Uh, Coke. Yes. Night or day? This is meant to be fun. It's just... <laughs> Fine night. <laughs> Favorite dessert? Mm. All desserts. Great. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. And um, so, you had mentioned to follow um, Cherub Charlie on Instagram. What are what are the handles? Like, your handles? What are the your shows? Like, how can we get in touch with you and how can we follow uh, so yeah, Cheer Up Charlie series is a series that I've directed. Um, you can follow me at Carmen Labu, so C-A-R-M-E-N-L-O-B-U-E. Um, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, and uh, you can also follow Harassment Doc, H-E-R-A-S-S-M-E-N-T-D-O-C. Great. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming out. Hey, it's Dubs Weinblatt, your host of Thank You For Coming Out. Thank you so much for listening with an open heart and an open mind. Please subscribe to our podcast on the platform of your choice. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps.